Alrighty, sup y'all, it's your boy Rhino Raider running the pod solo this week. And when I'm solo, you know what we do, we get in those technical nitty gritty details. Um, so I actually know what I'm going to call this episode already. I'm going to call it the SAML Ramble because I'm about to ramble for the next, you know, however many minutes about SAML to you guys and try to pique your interest in SAML. Um, <clears throat> It's kind of a complicated topic, so um, the goal for this episode is going to get you interested in it and get you comfortable enough with the structure of SAML where you can desire to attack it, where you'll be curious and not scared by it whenever you see it in an SSO context, okay? So that's the, that's the goal. Now, um, I chose SAML because I'm really interested in it, and uh, the reason I'm really interested in it is this. SAML is everywhere. We see it in a lot of organizations being used uh, for single sign-on and for IDP, um, your identity provider uh, services. And here's the crazy part, okay? It's XML-based, and which we all know all the concerns that go around with XML, but it just kind of recently struck me that if a, if a company is using SAML for their identity, you know, in conjunction with their identity provider, then all of the different applications that they're going to be um, logging into using this single sign-on will need to be parsing XML and parsing SAML, right? Um, and because it's such a complicated thing, uh, you know, all of these different languages, you've got Java apps, you've got Node apps, you've got Python apps, all of these are going to have different libraries that they're using to parse the SAML, uh, the SAML assertions or the SAML responses. And um, I'm sure that there will be uh, you know, some some quirks between all of these different applications, right? So whenever I, I feel like whenever I see SAML, it's like, oh, there's got to be a bug on the scope somewhere because not all of these things can be parsing it exactly the same way. Okay, so rant over there. Um, lots of uh, attack potential uh, uh, for SAML. So let's let's get ourselves comfortable with it. Because I don't, I don't know about y'all, but before, um, before I did this deep dive on SAML and prep for this episode, I was a little intimidated by SAML because um, you know you, you see this giant base64 blob and then you base64 decode it and then XML inflated so you're actually looking at the XML and then it's just a huge you know blob of XML and there's all sorts of like references to what is it w3.org or something like that where it's like check out this protocol and and that sort of thing and the schema and there's all sorts of attributes and you know who knows what all of it does um, and and sometimes even there's like large basically foreign coded blobs inside of the SAML response you know uh, encapsulating certificates and signatures and it's just like gets overwhelming really quickly at least that was the experience that I had before I, I deep dived it for this episode so I'm hoping that we can delete that and, and get us comfortable with it. Okay. So the thing that spurred this research was um, uh, a researcher that I'm really a, a big fan of named Green Dog released uh, some of the details that they did on a talk in 
uh, at a conference called Kazakhstan, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's such a great name for a conference. And I mentioned it on the pod a couple weeks ago, and it's called How to Break SAML If I Have Pause, okay? So I was looking through this, this presentation, and I was kind of looking at all the various techniques in there, and that is an amazing presentation that we will link uh, you know, below. So definitely go check that out, because this is going to require a little bit extra research on your behalf to become really, really, you know, on top of, of SAML stuff, um, because you, there's only so much you can do over a podcast. Um, and sometimes you just need to see stuff. So uh, there's going to be a lot of resources associated with this episode that you'll need to go and check out. Um, so I was reading through this this slide deck by by Green Dog. Also check out his weird proxy stuff because that's the name of the repo. Weird proxies. Uh, that's a, that's really interesting research. Um, and I and I, I stumbled upon this just absolute gem of an article by a researcher named Epi052. Uh, which is the same guy that did Ferox Buster, by the way, um, on how to hunt bugs in SAML, a methodology. And this was from 2019, research from 2019. And holy moly, is it good. Um, there's three parts. They're, they're you know very digestible, very readable, very simply written. Clearly, this guy knows what's up with, with SAML. Because you know when you can take it and you can make it this simple, it rocks. So my, my plan for the rest of the day rest of the day, rest of this episode is to, is to talk to you guys about the methodology that he lays out in that, in that, um, uh, uh, blog series that he does and, uh, just kind of generally get us familiar with that. So let, let's go ahead and go down that path. So before, before we get into the attack factor stuff, we've got to understand a little bit about, uh, SAML or, uh, security assertion markup language. Okay. So here's the, here's the basic context in, in which, uh, this is used. Okay. So you've got a user. All right. We got We got to get some terms out of the way here first. We've got, um, a, a user. That's the person that's wanting to auth into an application or a service provider. Okay. Uh, an application, you know, let's say you wanted to auth into, you know, an organization's, uh, let's just say it's their GitLab or something like that. Right. That would be a service provider, SP service provider. Um, hopefully these terms will not make this more complicated uh, or, or scare away any of you. So just when you hear service provider, think app, okay? And then we've also got the identity provider, okay? That's the person that's providing the identity. Uh, that's going to be your, you know, sort of SSO domain, right? Your your SSO service provider. Okay, whoa, I can't say SSO service provider. Your SSO um, portal, let's just say that, okay? And they're the ones, you, you log into that, and then it throws your auth over to your service provider or your app, okay? So we've got the service provider, that's the app, identity provider, that's the SSO domain, okay? So the basic flow that happens is this. The user wants to auth into the service provider, they want to auth into the app, so the service provider says, okay, sure, I'm gonna create this parameter called SAML request that contains a base64 encoded XML document, essentially, and they're gonna redirect us uh, via our browser uh, over to the identity provider, okay? The identity provider is gonna look at that SAML request, uh, look at the XML inside of it, and it's gonna say, okay, I understand, you know, I need to auth this user for whatever service provider. Uh, now I need to auth this user. So then we go ahead and we put our credentials in to the service provider. Excuse me. We put our credentials into the identity provider, and then it will go ahead and create something called a SAML response. Okay. The SAML response uh, will contain a, a cryptographically signed. Uh, SAML response tag that contains assertions about 
who the user is. So they're asserting, hey, this user is blah blah right? You can trust that, okay? And so that SAML response is put into a, 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 a parameter in HTTP. Uh, it could be a query parameter. It could be a post, post body. Um, and then sends it back over to the service provider or the app, okay? Um, and the app will then look at that SAML response, parse it, and trust, uh, cryptographically, hopefully cryptographically check um, that that SAML response is, is valid and not tampered with, and then trust the person that the identity provider said is there and log them into that account. Okay, So it's a pretty standard flow when you look at SSO-based um, applications. So that's, the, that's the, the basic flow. Let me, I'm going to take a sip of water now. Alrighty, so um, let's let's break it down a little bit further, and we'll start talking about attack vectors. Okay, um, so the, before we get any any into the technical details of what the uh, XML structure looks like, I just want to say that I've noticed a pretty strong correlation between <laughs> libraries and domains that use SAML and XSS. Okay, so I, I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe it's an older technology, but um, whenever you see an application parsing SAML or a SSO domain that is is utilizing SAML to log users in, um, then you're going to want to check that pretty thoroughly for XSS. You're going to want to check that for XSS in the um, in the SAML request. So that first little um, information that is sent from the service provider, the app, to the identity provider or the uh, SSO domain, right? And you're going to want to inject uh, XSS-related payloads in there. And, and I'll give you an example of this later. Um, and see if they fire on the identity provider or see if they fire on the service provider um, via the SAML response. So if you're injecting inside of tags in the SAML response or you're injecting in, in attributes in the SAML response, and sometimes it'll throw an error and be like, hey, this is an invalid thing. Uh, here's the invalid thing, and then they embed embed the invalid thing in the DOM, and then it triggers XSS. So it's a story you guys are all familiar with. I'm not going to explain how XSS works here, but um, just know that there is a pretty strong correlation with SAML and XSS. Okay, and then the only other caveat I'll add to that is that in order to embed XSS payloads inside of attributes and inside of tags, you may need to uh, HTML encode those brackets. Normally, HTML encoding is our enemy in these scenarios, right? If you see it HTML encoded, that's bad. But um, in order for it to not break it and for it to parse properly, we have to HTML encode it sometimes, and then it will get re-injected back into the DOM, um, HTML decoded, and in its full, you know, XSS glory. So that that's that. I'll leave that there. Um, definitely look at SAML-related stuff for XSS. Okay, so now let's go and talk about attacks um, outlined by uh, EPIO52 and what kind of uh, in attacks that are a little bit more relevant to SAML uh, itself. Okay, so the first attack that that EPIO52 has in there. A description is test whether or not the SP accepts an assertion without a signature. Okay, this is known as signature exclusion. Okay, so as I mentioned before, the SAML response, the thing that is coming back from the identity provider and going to the um, service provider, 
that response is a XML document. And uh, there are a couple things that are normally inside this document. For one, there is a SAML response uh, tag. That, that tag contains almost everything else that, that'll, that you'll need inside of it, okay? Um, it, it also contains a lot of signatures, okay? Signatures are the things that uh, cryptographically ensure the integrity of the SAML response, okay? Um, and so when we talk about uh, an SP accepting an assertion without a signature, that will be um, you know, us simply just removing the signature tags from the SAML, uh, the SAML document, okay? So all you have to do is base 6040 code, XML inflate, um, and then take out the signatures, re-encode re it up, and send it over to the SP, and if they accept it, boom, you're in. Because you can just modify that assertion to have to have um, anything you want in it. Well, how do you modify an assertion? Well, an assertion is exactly kind of what it sounds like. It's asserting that the IDP or the IDP, the um, identity provider, is asserting that the user is a specific person. So a lot of times this will contain attributes saying, uh, which is another tag inside of a SAML, um, saying something along the lines of like uh, user dot you know, username or whatever is RhinoRater, right? And, and it'll have a bunch of attributes that the identity provider wants to convey to the service provider, okay? So if we could modify those assertions uh, and those attributes within the assertions, then uh, we're golden, right? Because um, we can just assert that we're anybody. Uh, and the only way that those assertions are actually validated for integrity is via the signature. So if we just remove the signature and send it on through, then we're we're great, and there's a report that we'll cover later on in this uh, episode that where this exactly this sort of vulnerability happens. So um, this is an easy attack vector you can try. However, um, you don't always have access when you're trying to hack a company. You don't always have access to a sample uh, sample response, right? Excuse me. Um, so you may need to take sort of a template SAML response and just Google, you know, SAML response template and send it on through and see what it says. Because sometimes it'll say, uh, hey, you're missing this attribute. And sometimes it'll say, hey, there's no signature here. What the heck is going on, right? Um, and so in, in the scenarios where it says, hey, you're missing this attribute, there's a very good chance that it's actually not checking the signature. And it's just going to, uh, you know, tell you what kind of attributes you need in order to log in any account that you want. So. Definitely try to be going after um, assertions without a signature uh, when you see any SAML-related um, endpoints. Okay. Um, the next the next section that we want to talk about is uh, XML signature wrapping. Okay. And and I'll, before we get into this section, I'll I'll throw a caveat out here. Okay. Um, there's a, a burp extension called SAML Raider. Okay. This extension is super fire, and uh, Epio52 talks about it in the um, the blog post and gives a very clear example on how to execute all of these attacks um, using SAML Raider, uh, very simply. Uh, so, if you're using if you're using Burp, definitely check that out. If you're not using Burp, uh, you might can open Burp for this specific thing because uh, it's it's pretty awesome, and I, I don't believe it's a pro extension, so uh, anyone should be able to use it with the community edition. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, XML signature wrapping. In order to actually understand this vulnerability from a technical perspective, we have to understand a little bit about signatures. Okay, um, so as we mentioned before, signature the signature tag inside of the SAML response is the thing that uh, gives you 
gives us cryptographic security when, when using SAML, okay? So there's a couple tags uh, inside of the SAML tag that we need to be aware of. There's the signed info tag, there's the signature value, there's key info and object, okay? Um, the, the most important one here is signed info, and that signed info also has a, a sub-tag called the reference tag, okay? And that reference tag is going to contain a URI attribute. Just like this is just like HTML, right? Like you'd have an href attribute for an for an A tag, right? Um, we have a URI attribute for this reference tag, and this is going to provide an ID of the assertion or the um, other tag could be a response, could be an assertion that uh, it is signing for. Okay. Uh, so, you know, let's say you've got a response that has ID 123, and then somewhere you've got a signature that has a reference with URI equals 123, that signature is correlated to that response, okay? So you just compare the IDs and you're good to go. Um, and these signatures can live in multiple places throughout the XML document, okay? There's three that you need to really be aware of. There can be an enveloped signature, which is the signature inside of the response, right? So you've got response tag, and then you've got signature tag, um, and then you've got end signature tag and response tag, right? Um, so that would be an enveloped signature because the signature is inside of the response or the thing that it's signing for. Then you've also got an enveloping signature, right? An enveloping signature, and that is the signature surrounds the response. In this scenario, we've got the signature tag, we've got the signed info tag, and then we've got the end signed info tag, We've got the response tag, end response tag, signature, right? So it goes signature, signed info, response, end signature, right? And so the, the response tag is inside of the um, signature tag itself. And we still have the reference IDs, as mentioned before, that are correlating um, the IDs of the response tag with the uh, uh, reference ID uh, inside of the signed info section of the signature. So you know it, you should be able to correlate them. Finally, the last one we've got is the detached signature, okay? And this is uh, outside of the response or the assertion or whatever it's signing. So let's say, for example, you've got SAML, uh, SAML response, right? And then you've got closed SAML response, signature, and then closed signature, right? So it's just totally disjointed from um, the thing that it's signing. Okay, and because of these different <laughs> ways that you can put this signature, there's like a whole mess. I want to say, let me let me pull up the article right here. There's, I think there's eight, yeah, there's eight different attacks you can do where you're like, you know, having a specific response that has a detached signature, but that detached signature also has a, a you know, uh, an assertion inside of it. And, and like, you're just putting all of these different assertions in different spots and you're putting, um, you know, data inside of it in a in a um, in an enveloping signature that is not correlated at all to this signature and hope that it will get accepted blindly um, and so there's lots of different techniques that you can use here to try to sneak assertions uh, and responses into this this SAML response okay and get it parsed by and accepted by the service provider um, and like I said before, uh, SAML Raider will largely take care of all of this for you. Um, and there's, I mean, literally, uh, each one of the, I, I don't want to sit here and read all of them to you because it's just going to be too dull for a podcast. But I mean, each one of these attacks has a beautiful graph on it um, and, and will, and has like 
three sentences associated with it, just explaining what it does, right? So they're really, really simple when you've got the, the graphics. Um, so definitely check out part two of uh, FPO52 sample testing methodology if you actually want to understand this stuff a little bit better. But by simply inserting assertions into various spots throughout the SAML document, you may be able to sneak some values in there, which could really affect the way that the service provider parses the SAML document and maybe even get you a full auth bypass, which would be uh, super awesome. Um, so that's, that's the uh, XML signature wrapping section. The next one on EPO52's list is test whether or not the SP verifies that the assertion came from a trusted IDP. Okay, so is the app verifying that the assertion is coming from a trusted uh, identity provider, right? Um, and so the way that this would be um, executed normally is by including a public key that the SP should use to validate the, the signature inside of the signature in the key info section. Okay, um, So this is also something you can see in more detail uh, on the write-up, but um, just sort of conceptually, you're sending that X5, uh, X509 certificate along with the SAML response. Um, and that will then get parsed by the SP and used to validate the, the signature on the thing. It's like kind of stupid. Like, why would you use the certificate of the thing you're trying to validate to validate it? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but it does happen. So that's called a certificate faking vulnerability in SAML. And, um, and so that's something we should be on the lookout for. And like I said, you know, maybe this isn't going to be vulnerable to one of the applications a company uses, um, you know, in their, in their infrastructure. But if they're using SAML over the whole organization, then some application has got to be vulnerable to something, right? So um, really good attack surface uh, to deep dive here, I think. Um, all right, so the next one that he's got on his list is like test whether or not the SP creates more than a single session per assertion, okay? So maybe you like take the SP response, you send it multiple times if you get two unique sessions, then, you know, it, it's a replay attack. Uh, you know, this one I just kind of skipped over because it's like, uh, this isn't really a bug. Um, but it could be indicative of uh, other problems with their SAML parsing, so, you know, maybe poke around at it. Okay. Next one is test whether or not the SP is vulnerable to XXE. Now, this is the one that I've been doing for years, right? Whenever I see SAML, I'm like, all right, you know what, SAML? <laughs> Justin's brain goes, okay, SAML, that's XML, right? Uh, well, XML is vulnerable to XXE, so let's just try that. Um, and that's pretty much the extent of the SAML testing I did for a long time. Um, and I found several XXEs with this. So definitely do this, not trying to discount the technique at all, but, um, you know, Go and essentially to exploit this, you just have to base 6040 code and XML inflate the um, the uh, uh, SAML response, and then uh, insert the uh, XXC payload. Go ahead and re-encode it with SAML SAML deflation, and then base 64 encode it, um, and then send it over to the SP. And if they accept it and it pops, then great. And I, I'm not going to go ahead and explain all the different ways that you could test XXE because, um, you know, there's lots of ways that you could do that. Uh, but I'm going to leave that as an exercise to you guys. Um, we will, I will say here, we will talk about a little bit later in this episode about something called uh, transforms or transformations, um, which will modify the XML document uh, when it's being parsed by the service provider. And there is a really cool bug that I'll, that will link in the description, um, uh, of course, it's Project Zero because those guys are total badasses, and uh, they found a way to like use transforms to get past the uh, entity um, XML entity 
being disabled on on a, a library. And it was actually only like last year in 2022. So actually, this is something that could be really applicable to lots of bug bounty programs still if they're not patching. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, all right. So check for XXC. And I will add as well, you may want to check for XXC on the service provider side and on the IDP side, right? Because the IDP is also, you know, if it's like one login or like, you know, uh, some of these other well-known SSO providers, then, you know, well, I, should, I shouldn't say that you shouldn't test those because you definitely should. Uh, and they, most of them do have bug bounty programs. But, you know, once you've tested it, you, you may not have to test it every single time you see it. Um, but if it's some janky SSO provider, then you may want to just try it there too. So you can try it on the service provider side and on the identity provider side for XXC. Okay. Um, the next one on the list is actually uh, uh, test whether or not the SP uh, is vulnerable to SSRF via certificate. Okay. And I'm actually, I'm going to go ahead and look at uh, the blog post really quickly here. Uh, yeah. Okay. So this one actually is not in um, Epio 52s um, uh, write up. This is actually an addition that I did to to this list, um, uh, thanks to to Green Dog's um, write up. And essentially, in his uh, in slides, he talks about certificate validation to SSRF. Okay. And this is something that I just think is really cool, and <laughs> something that I've I've tried recently with. Um, with a couple programs that I have been working on that accept uh, X509 certificates as input from the user. Um, and essentially, it's some research that came out in Black Hat of 2023, so just a couple months ago, that, uh, and it was released by a guy named uh, Michael Stepankin. And uh, there's just a couple fields inside of an X509 certificate, specifically the extensions of the X509 certificate, um, that could actually cause SSRF when the certificate is being parsed, okay? So specifically, there's a uh, extension called the Authority Information Access Extension. Uh, and I'll actually just, I'll just go ahead and read it right here. Um, for instance, the uh, Authority Information Access Extension contains a URL pointing to the issuer certificate. If this extension is used for validation, there's a high chance that you can exploit it to perform an SSRF attack. Okay, so uh, there's a field inside of this, um, you know, extension uh, that that you can put a URL in, and when it's validating that certificate and and maybe the certificate chain associated with it, then it might reach out to that URL to grab the issuer's certificate, right? Um, and so that could result in SSRF and. Likely it would be blind SSRF, but uh, blind SSRF is better than no SSRF. And blind SSRF can often be, well, I, I shouldn't say often, can sometimes be turned into full read SSRF depending on the amount of error logging that is in place. So definitely keep that technique in mind. Um, I think there's a decent amount of attack surface uh, that I've seen recently um, by doing weird stuff with X509 certificates. Like um, you can craft a certificate, I'm getting a little bit off topic now, but you can craft a certificate that has some um, cryptographic problems with it, right? And when they try to uh, use it, it will, you know, use up a whole mess of, of memory. Um, so I'll, I'll see if I can find that article and, and put it in the description as well. But uh, definitely be on the lookout for uh, X509 parsing problems, because I think that is something that we'll see uh, grow uh, over the next couple of years. Okay, um, next one is test whether or not the SP is vulnerable to XSLT, uh, that's Extensible Style Sheet Language Transformation, uh, via SAML. And to be honest, in my SAML deep dive that I did, this is the most like 
mind-blowing thing that I found because I'd heard of this before actually at one of my first live hacking events um, some legend I think it was uh, Sam Herb of course because this is such a like Sam Herb thing um, used this to like hack some XML related thing right uh, and it might have even been SAML um, but uh, you know this isn't something that I had thought about for years um, and and here it is and it's so much easier than excuse me it's so much easier than I thought um, this is pretty much very much like a, a XXE, okay? Um, the, the language at XSLT is extremely flexible. Uh, it, there's so much you can do with it. Um, and it, it's actually, if I remember correctly from the notes, I think it's a Turing complete language. So you can write, I mean, you can write a lot of code in here. Um, and you can do stuff like just read files and then exfiltrate them to the attacker's server, just like an XXE. And actually it might even be more powerful than an XXE in that capacity. Um, so definitely something cool to look into here. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about how it works. Um, I mentioned transformations before. I'll read a quick uh, quote about transformations uh, so you can understand what kind of role they play in SAML, okay? So it says, transformations are a very powerful tool to transform SAML user attribute values transmitted through the SAML response, right? So that's the thing coming back from the IDP to the SP, right, to the app. Um, transmitted through the SAML response or assertions um, from the identity provider. Mainly, they are used to transform not changeable values within the identity provider so the transformed value fits the, requ uh, the required or desired attribute format in the application, okay? So good old you know, identity provider doesn't want to change, service provider doesn't want to change stuff right here, right? You know, there has to be this whole language that we've created just to like make the names line up so that people don't have to actually modify their code. Um, and that's what, that's what this is. Uh, and so essentially how it works is you can add a, a transform tag uh, inside of your inside of your signature um, which will be parsed uh, parsed before the signature is actually validated okay this is the kind of this is the crazy thing um, let me see if I can find this other quote here um, yeah <laughs> the reason for this is that the XSLT transformation occurs before the digital signature is processed right so this should really be like setting off fire alarms in your head right now, right? There, there is something, there's a token that is being taken and used for authentication. And there is a whole, you know, Turing complete language that you may be able to use uh, in this, the parsing of this token, which uh, gets processed before the cryptographic signature gets processed, right? It, that, I mean, I can feel my I can feel my pulse rising right now just, just talking about it, right? Um, so very cool stuff here and something that we should definitely be looking at anytime we see SAML um, because, you know, it, even signature validation isn't going to stop us here because it gets parsed before signatures get validated. So uh, very cool. So essentially... <laughs> You know, I've got a payload here right in front of me, and I'd like to just sort of read it out to you, but it's going to be kind of hard to, to process. So essentially, I'll, I'll tell you how it goes. Um, inside of this transform tag, you know, you define that there's going to be a, um, a style sheet that is, and you reference the w3.org transform um, spec. Okay, so it knows what what this is. And then inside of that, you have this um, template that you define uh, that applies to specific um, uh, 
XML tags. You can say, all right, I only want this to affect whatever tag. You know, the if this was HTML, you could say, all right, I just want it to affect the H1 tag or whatever, right? And then you can define a whole set of things to do to that tag. And uh, from looking at right here, from the example that is in uh, Epio52's write-up, um, he essentially just says, okay. Uh, assign a variable file to the value for Etsy password. Go ahead and URI encode that file. You can see the power of this language right here, right? Go ahead. It has you know, a function for encode to URI. Um, and then uh, concatenate it with the attacker URL and then go get that URL, right? Um, and so it's like, this is such a powerful language that I didn't know existed. Uh, so so it really blew my mind when I started learning about it. Uh, I will add one caveat here, and I'm a little bit hesitant to even <laughs> point this out because, like, clearly Epio 5.2 knows their stuff super well, and I, I could be wrong about this. But if it's if I am if I'm not wrong about it, then it's something that could mess up a lot of people's testing. Which is that if you copy and paste Epio 5.2's payload specifically um, uh, from the from the article, the the template uh, tag that I mentioned in the beginning has an attribute called match, and it's set to the value doc by default. And it, uh, maybe it's something I don't know about you know, XPath stuff, but this seems to, to me that this should only apply to an attribute called doc. And lots of the other um, uh, you know, payloads that I've, I've looked up for this uh, XSLT thing has a match equals slash in the template tag. Okay, So that would be matching the root tag of this whole XML document. So it would always apply, right? Um, and so it could be that you may need to modify this payload that's mentioned in uh, Epio52's um, right up here, or I could have something wrong. So if, if any of you guys know that's listening or feel like deep diving the, uh, the explanation, definitely let me know um, if, I'm, if I'm off on this one. But you may, may want to do your research before you just copy and paste this payload, which is good advice for any payload, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, in conclusion, super cool thing here. If you're going to take anything, uh, if you want to do any XML deep diving, it could be really cool to look at uh, extensible style sheet language transforms. Uh, and it also could be good to look at transformations themselves. Um, there's also a whole section of this referenced in um, on slide 26 of Green Dog's presentation that I mentioned before, um, where he's talking about all sorts of different transformations that you can do. Uh, and this is just such a cool thing because they're processed before the actual um, you know, parsing of the signature. So really, really cool stuff there. Definitely check that out. Okay, I'm gonna take a sip of water and then we're gonna we're gonna close this one out. Alrighty, so the last one that we wanted to talk about here that's uh, on Epio52's list is if the target SP is serviced by an IDP to which you have a legitimate account on a different SP serviced by the same IDP, test whether or not the target SP accepts a valid assertion meant for the valid SP. Okay, so that was uh, a lot of <laughs> acronyms and stuff in there, but the TLDR of this is, this is an attack called token recipient confusion, okay? So let's say you have an account on app A that is serviced by the SSO provider, right? Can you use the assertion from app A in, in the same response used to log into app A on app B? Right, so it's sort of like a like a token reuse sort of thing. Um, and it, well, it, really, it's a token recipient problem, right? A token because 
ideally the SP should be looking at the recipient field of the subject confirmation data element, uh, which is a, I'm reading this now, which is a child of the subject element in the SAML response um, to determine whether or not this uh, SAML assertion is, is meant for them, right? Uh, as opposed to some other recipient. So uh, if they're not validating this, then you may be able to do some weird stuff by um, pulling a valid uh, you know, token to, and, and, and like we see this, we mentioned a, a so sort of a similar thing um, affecting Tesla a couple weeks ago, uh, found by, I want to say it was Evan, um, Evan Connolly. Um, and, it, it, you know, using this sort of IDP, you know, taking a token from here and using it over there, that sort of thing, right? So it same sort of thing can happen with SAML um, with this token recipient confusion uh, bug here, okay? So that wraps up the uh, attack vectors that I wanted to cover under specifically SAML-related attacks. Um, now, I just wanted to close out this episode by uh, recovering some HackerOne reports. Um, and of course, my, my session died to HackerOne, so I'm going to have to like go ahead and put in my auth code right here. Um, before I can load up the report, because the report that I'm going to cover first is uh, a report by yours truly, um, and it's an XSS, like I mentioned before. Uh, and so well, let's go ahead and take a look at that uh, once I log in. <laughs> All right, here we go. So this was uh, this is a private program, so I can't tell you who it is, uh, but it's a pretty textbook XSS uh, when it comes to uh, XSS plus SAML. Okay, and so the situation was this: there was a service provider or an app that I wanted to log into, and it was using SAML. So I took the SAML response that I had from a valid login, and uh, I modified some of the um, attributes within that uh, within that SAML. Uh, response values, right? And actually, I believe I was subbing every single URL in there for my my callback server so that I could try to find SSRF, which is also not a bad idea. Um, but uh, one of the responses I got from that was a, a message from the uh, service provider saying, hey, uh, invalid response. Uh, the response was received at the current URL of the app instead of at the, uh, you know, my callback URL, right? And so, uh, and it was serving that up in text HTML. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if I can, you know, inject uh, some, some uh, HTML characters in there. And so I went back and I modified, and this is actually in the destination um, attribute of the SAML response. So it was checking that to confirm, um, you know, who should be receiving this token, kind of like we talked about earlier with the, um, with the destination and the recipient stuff, right? So there's multiple areas where you can check for that. So I went to the destination attribute of the response uh, of the response tag, which is the the parent tag, and uh, just sort of inserted a, uh, a HTML encoded payload. Because like I mentioned before, sometimes you have to put HTML encoding inside of the that um, if you're putting it. Uh, HTML control characters inside of an attribute in XML, uh, you, you have to encode those with like ampersand less than uh, or LT colon, right? Or ampersand GT colon, right? Um, so we put those in there and I submitted the, the uh, SAML response back to the service provider and boom, it reflected into the, uh, into the response and I was able to get XSS. Now when you get XSS on a 
uh, an app like this, a lot of times it will result in um, account takeover because you can leverage that position uh, in the SAML flow, uh, in the auth flow to hijack that, um, that page. Uh, so and, and hijack the user session. So um, very impactful stuff here. Uh, definitely be on the lookout for XSS, like I mentioned. And then the last report that I wanted to cover was the one login authentication bypass on WordPress sites reported by Joko, uh, a hacker that reported this bug in May of 2016 to Uber. Um, and this is just sort of a textbook auth bypass via SAML, right? He found this newsroom.uber.com and it was using one login SAML SSO. Um, I, I assume it's a plugin. Yeah, it is. It's a plugin. Um, and this report is, is public, so you can go see it. It's report number 136169. That's 136169. Um, and uh, he, he essentially just did what I mentioned before, which was he took a SAML response and he, uh, you know, sort of like a, a vanilla SAML response and he sent it to the, that endpoint. And then the endpoint was like, yo, bro, you're missing this attribute. And he's like, Okay. And so he puts in that attribute and then he's like, yo, you're missing this other attribute. And so he keeps on doing that until he fills out all the attributes that he needs. And then it's like, all right, cool. Got all the attributes. Log you right on in. There's not even a, a signature tag in this whole payload <laughs> that he mentions here. Okay. Um, so this is a textbook example of the first type that we talked about, uh, which is the assertion without a signature. Okay, uh, So definitely know that this does exist out there. Uh, and like I mentioned, when organizations are using SAML, they have to, you know, there's so many different apps that are using it to log into it, right? Um, and so there's got to be a bug somewhere. There's got to be. Uh, so hopefully going, you know, using that methodology, using that mentality, you guys will go out there and find some SAML bugs. If you do, definitely DM me. It'd be super cool to know that you guys found some SAML bugs because of this episode. Um, so let me just do a quick review. Keep an eye out for the XSSs in any sort of SAML environment. Uh, because for some reason they're particularly prevalent. Um, there's the uh, assertion without a signature, the signature, signature exclusion bug, which you just delete the signature tags uh, from a, uh, a, a SAML response. There's the XML signature wrapping bugs, which there are eight of them, um, by placing the signature in different spots uh, throughout the SAML response and trying to trick the application into getting to trust your assertion, even though the signature uh, is not valid for it. Okay. So there's, there's that one. There's um, assertion, check that the assertion is coming from a trusted IDP. That's the signature faking bug. Um, there's the re assertion replay bug, which is like kind of a bug, but not really, um, that you could check for. And if there is, it could indicate sort of a less strict SAML implementation. Um, there's XXEs inside of SAML. There's SSRF inside of SAML, either by um, them hitting some sort of uh, URL from within the SAML response directly, uh, or by uh, uh, parsing a maliciously edited X509 certificate um, and calling out to your server to, uh, to validate the certificate. And I think there's a couple other things, not just the... Um, not just the authority information access extension. There's a couple of places where you can put the SSRF payload inside the X509 certificate. So definitely check out that uh, blog post that I'll have in the description um, from the GitHub blog by uh, Michael Stepankin. Um, 
so there's the, the SSRF, and then there's uh, the XSLT uh, vulnerabilities inside of SAML that we spent a lot of time talking about. Definitely research these. Super exciting stuff here. Could really result in some crazy bugs. Um, and then finally, there's the uh, token recipient confusion bug, which um, you know it would be kind of a specific scenario. You need to have this happen, but if you do, it still could result in auth bypass. So definitely, definitely some really interesting bug types here. All right, I think that's it. Hopefully you guys have learned some stuff about uh, SAML and, and uh, if you, yeah, if you find anything, like I said, let me know. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit more confident going into your SAML testing. All right, go find some bugs.